You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 286 of Podcateers. This week we recap some of the live action films released by the Disney Company in 2019. We talk about how we felt about the X-Wings at Galaxy's Edge for the opening of Rise of the Resistance, and we share some listener feedback. Remember that you can always join the conversation by giving us your thoughts on anything that we talk about by either leaving a comment on the blog post for this episode at podcateers.com 286 or by connecting with us on Instagram, Facebook, or on Twitter. Just search for Podcateers. If you're doing any last minute shopping this holiday season, remember that a great way to help support the podcast while you shop on Amazon is by using our special link. This won't cost you anything extra, but it will give us a small commission from Amazon as a thank you for mentioning them on the podcast. To help out, it's super simple. Just head over to podcateers.com Amazon, click on the big Amazon button on that page, make your purchases just like you normally would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. To everyone out there using our Amazon link, we appreciate the extra couple of clicks when you're making your purchases. Finally, if you like what we do and you'd like to help with the production of these episodes, there's a really great way to do that. That's by becoming a part of the FGP Squad, also known as our podcast Fairy Godparents. The FGP Squad are listeners just like you, who help support the production of this and other episodes of Podcateers via a monthly contribution on Patreon. If you want to be part of that elite crew, you can find out more info on how to sign up by going to podcateers.com slash FGP. To all of the members of the FGP squad, thank you so much. We truly appreciate your continued support. So it's time to jump into this podcast. And here we go. Here is episode 286 of Podcateers. Okay, so I just, I, I don't even know how to say this or start this, but I do want to say, first of all, thank you to everyone that has sent me messages because uh, I, I wasn't, I, I don't think I was very explicit about what was happening the last several weeks, but I think I made a couple of comments and people may have pieced it together. There was a handful of people that knew. You guys obviously knew because I shared it with you guys. Um, but if you haven't listened to the podcast in some time or just need the Cliff Notes version, uh, unfortunately, a few weeks ago, I lost my grandfather. And uh, I have to say that in my adult life, this is possibly the worst thing that I've ever experienced. <laughs> I I don't think that I've ever hurt as bad as I have been uh, since it happened, it happened the weekend before Thanksgiving, uh, and it's been tough. But I just want to say thank you to everybody that has sent their support, that has sent me their messages. Um, a, a really special shout out to uh, my best friend Juan, who was out there uh, at the the funeral with me, and my buddy Tony from work, who came out. You guys, you know, for for all your support as well. Um, so yeah, uh, the, the the fact that we're I'm like stammering. I can't even like talk. Um, but, you know, I know when you guys offered again, you know, to to not record and to kind of skip and just take the week off, um, uh, you know, these recording sessions 
kind of our therapy for me in a way because uh, it, it helps me forget a little bit. It's these these recordings to me are what Disneyland has become for us, right? It's a happy place for yeah. us. It's a place where we go and kind of forget about the world for a little bit. And even though reality still exists, uh, we're able to shift out, you know, and, and become part of part of the magic for a little bit. And so that's really what this podcast is to me. You know, it was started out of the need for something creative, but over the course of the last several years, it's become something much more to me. And you've both expressed that it's become, you know, very similar to both of you. So thank you for that. Thank you to everybody. And so I don't think I'm going to try to talk about this anymore because, you know, <laughs> we got Christmas coming up and everything. And uh, it's it's been hard. So thank you both for, for all your support. I appreciate it. And, and I know last week we started off with, or, or we talked about some things that were bugging us. And I, oh, I have to vent a little bit again <laughs> Here this week. Here it comes. <laughs> I got to vent a little bit again this week because remember how we were like, well, I super excited about these X-Wings that were going to fly over Galaxy's Edge, you know, mm-hmm, at Walt Disney mm-hmm. World for the opening of Rise of the Resistance. <laughs> now, now, Hazen, let, let me let me clarify here. You know, uh, now, did you use the word hover over the land or did you say fly? See, see, that's <laughs> where my problem is. Oh, OK, OK. Did you did you did you describe it as? Popping up and then popping back down. Mm-mm. No, that Mm-mm. wasn't how you described it. Mm-mm. Ah, maybe you set yourself up here, man. I think I did. <laughs> I think I did. So, if you listen to last week's episode, I did talk a little bit about the technology that they had created for Maleficent flying over New Fantasyland, which made me so excited to have an <laughs> opportunity to see X-wings flying over Batu. And, you know, it was great because we had the opening of Galaxy's Edge here first. And there was this big thing with with George Lucas and Mark Hamill and, you know, Harrison Ford and them apparently screwing up the lighting and the, the cues and everything. And, you know, it was all part of the presentation. And that's great. They didn't get that at Hollywood Studios. They had a much more compressed ceremony. So the fact that they were going to get these flying X-Wings, I thought, hey, okay, cool. You know what? Right? Let's, you know, share the magic. You know, we get some, they get something. And that's just how it works. So then the ceremonies broadcast live on the Disney Parks, like, YouTube channel, right? And so I'm like, oh, my God, this is so great. And I'm like, watch. I actually saw the the replay. I didn't get a chance to watch it live because of Mm -hmm. all the stuff that we've been dealing with. But I saw the video, and uh, I remember thinking, oh, oh, here they come. Here they come. And then they rise from behind the mountain. And then all of a sudden they turn. And then they just kind of float (laughs) there. And then they drop again. (laughs) And there was no flying. I mean, you heard the sound effects, you know, like red one ready. You hear all the banter that mm-hmm. goes on. And I honestly thought we were going to see more flying, yeah. not just a, a yeah. quick hover, a spin. And what made some it lasers. Look, yeah. I, so there had, something. there had to be some some reasons here. I got to believe there were some obstacles. And I feel like it. 
may have something to do with what we know happened in the Disneyland Resort, which was the most of the entertainment budget got completely cut. Right. And like because when they first described this land to us, it was supposed to be filled with droids roaming around, lots of characters everywhere to interact with. And as we know, there's very little of any of that. There's zero droids uh, wandering around and there's very few characters because their budgets got slashed. Right. Um, so I, I would guess that maybe there were some budgetary limits here. My second guess would be that it would be a safety concern flying those out over the audience that was gathered there. But I don't know. I feel like drone technology is way more advanced than what we just saw in that video. I feel like yeah. they could have built a drone shaped like an X-Wing and flown it in any way they wanted to. They're incredibly, you know, uh, fleet um, machines now that can fly in any direction and do any maneuver, just like real airplanes or spaceships. And... Uh, I, I got to believe it's it's down to budget, most of all. Yeah. Okay, if we were, hypothetically speaking, they could get Maleficent, take away the skin, and prop a new skin on top, and voila. <laughs> honestly, that's you what I thought was going to happen. and lasers. That's honestly what I thought was going to happen, because it's Maleficent same. was flying around several times, much faster yeah. as well. And I really <laughs> thought that's the technology that they were going to use for this. And we <laughs> look, I, I, I get it. It could have been budget restraints. You, you could be one hundred and twenty percent correct on this, Gavin. But I think I built it up in my head so much that right. what we ended up seeing, I just my jaw dropped, and I thought, why? Just why do it? Just <laughs> project <laughs> lasers instead. All I imagined. Yeah. Look, let me put it this way. I love the Disney company, okay? There's no doubt mm -hmm. about that. And I love a lot of the things that they do. And there are times where I disagree with some of the things that they do. All I could see right after those X-Wings were floating there was Baby Yoda sipping some soup. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I saw. Just like looking yeah. up there and be like, seriously? This is what's happening? <laughs> so, so, yeah, it happened. Um if you haven't had an opportunity to see that, I'm going to put the video up in the blog post for this episode. It'll be over at podcasters.com slash 286 if you want to take a look at it. Super short. Won't take you mm -hmm. long to watch it. Nope. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't even bother watching the rest of the ceremony. I, I've read a couple of comments on Rise of the Resistance, but I'm trying to do my best to stay away from it because I want to be able to experience it for the first time, and I don't mm -hmm. want to be jaded by what other people are saying and they're yeah. experiencing over there, especially yep. considering that just like uh, Smuggler's Run, there's bound to be issues the first week or sure. two, the first month. We've talked about this in the past, how... Things like Radiator Springs Racers for the first oh, know, yeah. five, six months or whatever was still having issues. It's expected. So I don't want to read those comments and be completely jaded by the experience. I want to experience it myself next month when it opens for us here. Uh, you guys are both on the same boat, right? You Or have you Correct. seen anything? about? Okay, cool. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, no, I haven't seen anything either. Okay. I, I'm waiting. Cool. Mm -hmm. So I'm... I hate to say it, but I'm not going to put any videos about that in the blog post for the episode yet. 
uh, at least not until we get an opportunity to experience it ourselves. Um, and so just a quick comment. I know last episode we also talked about COPPA or COPA or whatever's happening with YouTube. Uh, I've been doing my best to educate myself about how things are going to change for us. I know I kind of went on a little bit of a rant stating that I didn't even know if we were going to continue with YouTube and uh I'm not completely convinced that that's not going to happen at the capacity that it's happening now. But Melissa brought this up, and I think it might be the way that we do things going forward if this is how we're quote unquote safe is we might do live streams, but make them like private videos or something with special links that are only accessible for the FGP squad. Any vlogs that we produce will also be private on the YouTube channel and will be exclusive going forward. So we're still trying to work on that. We'll keep you posted on what's happening. I think going forward, the only thing that will continue to be on the page itself will be the episodes of the podcast, if that's how you choose to listen to it. And all of the existing vlogs that are there, I'm not going to take those down. Everything that's there, I'm going to leave as it is, but I'm going to flip the channel to child-friendly. That way we don't have to worry about any of those, or I may mark certain ones, like the actual vlogs where we go to the park or something. I don't know. I, I have to figure out how to do it uh, efficiently. So stay tuned. Mm -hmm. More information on that is going to be coming up. So speaking of stuff that we talked about, there was a couple of really great conversations that happened in a couple of... Uh, Instagram posts. There was a comment from the last episode from Adventures in DIY Shop where she says, uh, thank you so much for sharing about Disney Amphibia. I had no idea that the main character is a Thai American girl. I myself am Thai American and it totally surprised me when I teared up at the thought that I finally have representation. I added it to my watch list and will be sharing it with my niece and nephew too. That is awesome. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. really cool. I read that comment and it, it kicked me straight in the feels. I, yeah. you know, I, I think, I, I think the same feeling that she experienced is, I know we've, we've had, you know, other stuff in the past, but I feel like I, I really felt it with Coco. Yeah. You know, so I, I think it's the same feeling that she was expressing. So uh, thank you very much for that comment. We also had a comment from Helen Taylor 0306 that says, Woohoo, we have Disney Plus here in Australia, but I'm English. Someone has to be. I'm actually from Nottingham, so love Gavin's Sherwood Forest ideas. Nice. Though the major oak hideout <laughs> should be included. And they don't get it until the 31st of March. Loving Disney Plus, they just added the continue watching bar feature in the last few days here. Mm -hmm. So it looks like we're getting some confirmation from Helen that some of these features that we talked about that were missing upon the launch of Disney Plus did trickle out for people. It looks like some were removed and some were added. Added. Maybe they were trying to optimize them in some way. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that the resume feature is available for more people now. It's been super helpful for me. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to them adding more content this December. I'd like to uh, send an oodalali out to Helen there. <laughs> oodalali. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then we had one last comment, but this is actually an audio file from listener in front of the show, Desiree. Uh, we had mentioned a couple of comments that she left in some of the posts before, and she sent us a little audio file for us to play about her experience with the Disney After Dark events. So we're going to jump to that 
right now. Because I tend to listen to you guys in my car and tend to be screaming at my radio a couple of things. First off, there has already been a Marvel's After Dark night. It happened a couple months ago and it was a two-day event. Um, I didn't go because I didn't care that much about Marvel, so that's what it was. However, I did go to 90s night. And let me tell you, 90s night was hit and miss for me. The Overall, I did enjoy it. There were cute little photo ops and stuff like that. But if you wanted to see specific characters, you were stuck waiting in line. Um, much to most of what I've heard from the After Dark events, that is seems to be standard. Um, aside from that, I would go to the 80s night just to check it out and potentially villains night. But personally, it's not worth the extra $100 per ticket. And my biggest gripe with the entire thing is the fact that they are releasing all of the events for sale on the same day at the beginning of December, as if we don't have enough to pay for already. So I probably won't be going to those After Dark events because of that. I would prefer that they stagger the ticket sale dates like for instance have the first event go on sale in December the next one go on sale in January February and so on that would just make more sense to me because overall like it's just unaffordable as for one person let alone a family I don't know how families do it oh and another thing in terms of people who go to this I will say lots of youtubers Lots of annual pass holders do go to these events in spite of the fact that they are there all the time because as somebody who is in the park quite frequently, I do see a lot of these same people there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's fun overall, but you are standing in line and I didn't go on any rides because that's not what I was there for. If you're going to those events, my opinion is you are there for the photo ops and whatever things that are there that you don't get the rest of the year. So just a little feedback on my end. Hope that helps you with a little more insight for somebody who's gone to these events because I know you mentioned me a couple of times and I thought you might want a little further input. Have a good day and happy holidays. So I just want to send a quick thank you out to Desiree for that audio clip. Um, you know, look, I think we talked about it. You know, not everybody wants to pay the additional money, especially when you're an annual pass holder. Desiree seems to kind of agree with that. You know, it doesn't seem like it can be worth the money if you frequent the park a lot, especially for larger families. I completely forgot, by the way, that there was a, a the two-night Marvel event. You know? <laughs> when she mentioned it, I was like, ah, oh, yeah. I forgot that, about it too. Yeah, that did exist. So, uh, anyway, again, thank you so much, Desiree, for sending that in. Uh, I got to get a shout out in for Desiree too. I've been meaning to do this for a while, actually. Um, not on Podcasters, but on my Instagram account, Desiree has been awesome about sending me a post with pretty good frequency every time she goes on Pirates of the Caribbean and helping me keep a watch out for my missing harpsichord. So harpsichord nice. watch is still on. It's been the better part of 2019, it seems like now. So I may have to start like a missing poster campaign for my harpsichord, <laughs> which I want back, Disney. 
But Desiree always keeps me posted when she goes. I always check when I go. So we're keeping a sharp eye out on you, Disney Imagineers, you. Awesome. So here's what you need to do. <laughs> I, I agree with you. You should create a a little poster or like the back of a milk carton with the harpsichord on there. And then you start the hashtag harpsichord watch. There we go. And then we, we just we just get it going. Of rum. And a yeah. bottle of rum. <laughs> Very yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love I it. Like it. Sweet. Uh, so if any of you have any comments that you'd like to share with us, of course, you can always join the conversation by leaving a comment on the Instagram posts for each episode, on Twitter, on Facebook, on podcateers.com for each episode. We're podcateers on any of those uh, services. So make sure that you're following us. Or you can send an audio file just like Desiree did to comments at podcateers.com. You can just use the voice recorder on your phone, attach it to an email, and then we'll get it and we can include it in a in a future episode. So so before we move on, I do want to remind you that this episode of Podcateers, like all others, are brought to you by the generosity of an amazing group of people known as the FGP Squad. The FGP Squad is a group of listeners just like you that help us out with a monthly contribution via Patreon. If you want a little bit more information on how you can become part of the FGP Squad, what it is, and sign up for a one-time or monthly contribution, you can start by going to podcateers.com FGP for more information. Uh, if you sign up for at least $5 monthly, you get the exclusive Podcateers Fairy Godparent button, which is what FGP stands for, Fairy Godparent. And uh, we are are getting ready to do some giveaways uh, I had planned on doing it this last week unfortunately with everything that was happening it kind of stifled my plans a little bit so we're gonna get on, on board I have some mailings I have to do uh, I'm catching up with a lot of that work and uh, yeah again podcateers.com FGP if you have uh, any questions feel free to reach out to us we'll be happy to help you out and to all of the members of the FGP squad I just want to send out a huge thank you as always for your continued support okay so this week's topic is Disney live action films so before we jump in uh, I guess we need to send a congratulatory tweet or message or whatever to the Disney company because Variety has reported that as of December 8th, 2019, the studio has generated $9.997 billion and was expected to officially cross the benchmark by yesterday and earning $10 billion for the global box office in 2019. They are the first studio to reach that benchmark and it's a it's an amazing milestone you know disney actually held the last record which i think they held it for either 2017 or 2018 and that mm -hmm. was like seven or eight billion so mm -hmm. they've officially wow. beat their own record and that doesn't include any of the fox films you know, obviously they acquired Fox and now oh, all yeah. that revenue is, is part of the Disney company. Uh, I think I read that if you include the Fox properties, it pushes them close to $12 billion for the year. Well, and Star Wars isn't even out yet. And Star Wars isn't even out <laughs> yet, exactly. <laughs> I mean, when you think about the films that were released this year, 
you know, they have six of the ten biggest uh, movies of the year with Avengers Endgame crossing $2.79 billion, The Lion King with $1.6 billion, Captain Marvel $1.2, Toy Story 4 $1.1 almost, Aladdin almost at $1.1 as well, and Frozen 2... Uh, as we're recording this episode, I haven't gone back to look at the stats yet, but last I checked, it was like 920 million. Mm-hmm. So it's very easily going to cross that billion dollar mark by Christmas, if not before. Gavin, what an amazing milestone. It's pretty ridiculous. Uh, and like I said, they haven't even released what could potentially end up being their biggest uh, release of the year. Um It'll be hard to beat Endgame, but it's possible being the final Star Wars film in the nine film saga that it, it could end up beating the Avengers Endgame film. But in any case, it's going to be one and a half billion, you know, without even trying. Uh, but, you know, even before that comes out, they've got two movies in the all time top 10 just from this year. So yeah. all time worldwide box office Avengers is number one. And Lion King of all films is number seven. I think that's nuts. I, yeah. I, I'm absolutely mystified by that. But uh, yeah, they have figured out some things and they know how to bring in those dollars. Um, so the good thing is that means just more entertainment for us down the road because when their coffers are full, they keep on producing movies. Right. I mean, do you think this is something that we're going to see in the next one to ten years again? Because when you think about some of these films, uh, a lot of them were very highly anticipated. Um, prop- Captain Marvel was probably the least anticipated of all of them, uh, at least in my personal opinion. But Endgame obviously was possibly the most oh, yeah. anticipated this year. Uh, the live action, obviously, Aladdin. I think a lot of people were looking forward to to that as well. N- next year, with the slate of movies that Disney has coming up, especially with a brand new set of, let's just use the MCU as you know the 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 post for this. Uh, there's not a lot of films that I think are as highly anticipated as many of these films were. Uh, when do you That's think fair. we're going to see this again? Like, do you think 2020 is going to give us another $10 billion a year for Disney? Or oh, do you think no, it's going to be like three to five years before they even attempt to hit that record? Yeah, it's going to be a while. You're, you're absolutely on the right track. Although I, I still can't relate to the people who are anticipating a live action version of Lion King. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Avengers conclusion and the Star Wars conclusion um, you know, uh, uh, amid all these other films, you know, they, they just put together a pretty stout package this year. Um, I, I, are they, they're considering box office receipts that happened in 2019, not just films that came out in 2019, right? Correct. Okay. So then you got a lot of Mary Poppins action still. Um, and some of, there's a couple other films that came out at the end of uh, 2018 that they were still generating revenue on for sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, there might be some bleed over from this into next year that gives it a huge boost, but I don't think it'll be a $10 million a year for, for several years to come. Yeah. 
do you think that the opening of Rise of the Resistance will give another boost to Rise of Skywalker? You know, we talked about this um, in a past episode. I really don't feel like the parks affect the box offices. Only locally. Maybe in Southern California, yes. But nationally, worldwide, no. It won't even be a blip. Fair enough. I, I don't think that moves the needle, personally. All right. So uh, the reason that we're talking about this, obviously, is because we've we in the last episode, we talked about the animated films and that... Uh, transitions us very nicely into this week's topic, Disney live action films. Let's kick it off with Dumbo, which uh, released in March of 2019. Uh, Mel, let's start with you. Your thoughts on Dumbo? Um, I, I actually liked it. Um, a little creepy because um, my fear of clowns. So if you guys saw the film, the clowns are very, very creepy. Um, I would say creepier than what I'm used to for any burden film. But um, I actually really enjoyed it. I, I really did. So, yeah, Dumbo was a bit of a surprise for me as well. I think uh, it had a very, I think I mentioned this in the episode where we talked about it early on in the year, that it had a very big fish feel to it. Yeah. And it, it was very Burton-esque without being Burton-esque if that makes any sense to people listening because nope okay so here's the deal <laughs> i want to say yes <laughs> so well, you've seen it <laughs> well oh you haven't seen it yet no oh okay oh. so here's the thing don't do not worry about spoilers go okay talk <laughs> speak freely so burton i think has a very distinct style when he makes films right they they're very dark and gritty and very zany and like when you look at characters like the mad hatter and uh, some of the other characters in the genres that he's created or the films that he's created uh there is a very distinct look to it and there's a very distinct cast that that he tends to use for a lot of these films and Big Fish just happens to be one of my most favorite Burton films ever created. That and Edward Scissorhands. I, like, they're mm -hmm. my two favorite films. But they're, like, Edward Scissorhands, I think, falls into that Burton-esque style. Like, it's very dark and style. strange and everything. <laughs> Dumbo, I think, had the Burton touch to it. But it tended to stay fairly true you know, with a couple of minor exceptions, uh, to the original story, right? Mm -hmm. And it felt more big fish than Edward Scissorhands. It felt more mm. big fish than Alice in Wonderland, you know? So, or Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, or which one's his? Charlie and his Chocolate Factory is the Burton version, right? I don't remember. Whichever his version of Wonka <laughs> is. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. There might be a trend with some of the things that I say about some of these other movies, but to sum it up, I enjoyed it way more than I thought I was going to. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. So, uh, if that doesn't sway to you, it is available on Disney Plus, Gavin. Yeah, all uh, I know. If you ever have a little over an hour to spare and you don't know <laughs> what to watch, watch it. Or maybe yeah. you, you can get yourself a drink or two and then watch it and then maybe you know, report back on what you felt. All right, maybe get some, uh, what is it they drink in the film? Pink champagne? Pink champagne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Do they do that in the in the live action? Oh, just you wait. <laughs> you have to see it. The music is so good. Yeah. Nice. Well, I should Danny have said Elfman, that too. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, okay, so let's jump to April. Uh, Disney Nature Penguins brought the studio seven point seven million dollars. Uh, Gavin, I know you've been a, a huge uh, fan of the Disney Nature films, and you did yes. that entire episode where you talked about the history of those. Mm-hmm, did mm-hmm. you get a chance to watch Penguins? You know, it's funny. This is one that I skipped. Um, I <sighs> Penguins don't grab me like they seem to grab the rest of the world. Uh, I feel like we've done Penguins to death. Uh, from March of the Penguins to all the Happy Feet movies to several other seg- like several segments of Planet Earth being on Penguins, like I, I'm kind of penguined out at this point. So it it didn't appeal to me, and it apparently didn't appeal to a lot of other people too because it didn't really make a lot of money. Um, I have huge respect for Disney Nature. I love what they do. They are some of the most Uh, cutting edge groundbreaking filmmakers on the planet and I have huge respect for them and I do intend to watch it but I did not see this movie this year in theaters Mel did you get a chance to watch Penguins no I didn't get to but I I have I'm wondering um, I don't know how in in advance they um, produce these these films but Mm -hmm. um I was just wondering if they released it because uh, Mary Poppins was released in what uh, December, so. Oh, I because there's penguins in Mary Poppins. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> maybe I I don't know if they've got that level of coordination between those two disparate wings of the yeah, studio. Yeah, they may not. But it's yeah, something to think about. Like, that's an interesting huh, theory. The I would not have connected those two. That's hmm. really interesting. <laughs> Uh, that's good speculation. I I didn't think about that either. So, huh. Well, the film itself isn't on Disney Plus yet, but I assume that within the next handful of months, it might appear there. Uh, mm-hmm. I haven't seen many of the Disney nature films that are available on there. So uh, I'm hoping to get a chance to watch it. Uh, I know that we've talked about some of the ones that we've liked in the past, and totally i don't know (laughs) who knows who knows okay uh we get to april now the end of april obviously the biggest movie that i was looking forward to yeah avengers endgame raking in 2.798 billion dollars number one movie of all time beating out avatar it's actually close. Like, have you looked at the current worldwide numbers? Yes. Like, yes. It's like it is How so close. Cl- like, we're talking about le- like eight eight million dollars between the two. Whoa. Like, le- actually, a little bit less than eight million dollars. Like, it's a fingernail difference. It's so amazing. It just got up there. <laughs> yeah. It's it's crazy how close it got. But so cool. You know what? Uh, I don't know how big the Avatar franchise still is. Obviously, I know that we have Pandora at Walt Disney World. I know that if you frequent Walt Disney World, it's a big part of your life there because you get a chance to see that world. But here in Southern California, we don't have that. And there isn't Mm -hmm. a lot of talk of Avatar or Pandora as much as there is at Walt Disney World. Obviously, 
maybe that will play a huge part in when Avatar 2 is released. And who knows, maybe they'll do a re-release of Avatar 1 and it'll re-beat Endgame. Who knows? You know, but the fact that Endgame currently holds that spot, I think, Mm -hmm. is a huge win, not just for the Disney company or for Marvel. I think it's a huge win in general uh, for nerd culture, right? Because for so many years, you know, being a nerd and being a geek was so frowned upon. And in the last decade to almost two now being who you are and letting your nerd and geek flags fly high sore yeah i mean (laughs) people get to express themselves however they want and comic books have been such a huge part of pop culture for so long that some people didn't see it as valid forms of either entertainment or literature And let me tell you, that is so incorrect because I've read some graphic novels that are so brilliantly written, you know, and so brilliantly illustrated that, I mean, they do a better job of telling a story in 20 pages than most books do or some films do in two hours or in 200 pages. Mm. You know, I'm pretty sure that I've said that before because I truly, truly believe that. So... The fact that Endgame, a comic book movie with comic book heroes, has hit that all-time high, it makes my little geek heart (laughs) fill with love so much. So congratulations to Marvel and Disney. (laughs) Heck yeah. May, we got a film that, I don't know, were you looking forward to Aladdin? Either one of you? Nope. I was. Were you really? Yeah. What was it about Aladdin that you were most anticipating? Um, I just wanted to see how they were going to bring it to life. Because okay. it's a colorful film. And it's one of those fun adventure films. So I'm like, how are they going to do this? So, yeah, I was totally looking forward to it. Right on. So do you feel, do you feel that it met that expectation? Like, did it X-wing you or did it like, really <laughs> make you feel like you got what you wanted out of it? I, I got Maleficent Dragon. Oh, okay. All right. Right on. <laughs> new new Podcateers yeah. inside joke. Oh, I got x <laughs> Did it X-wing you? <laughs> um, that's cool. That's cool. There was a few changes in this version of Aladdin that obviously were not in the film, uh, how did that make you feel hearing some of these new songs and seeing some of the additions that they made to tell this version of the story? Um, I wasn't bothered by it because um, Beating the Beast, we got something similar where we got a uh, bee singing a song and in the classic, we didn't get that. So it wasn't anything new, but oh, the way that, oh, I don't even know her name. Gosh, forgive me. No, I mean, not Princess Jasmine, I meant the actress. Um, the way that she sang it, I mean, dang, that was pretty emotional stuff. So I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the performances. What about you, Gavin? Uh, I think I talked about it before. Um, we were just feeling like we wanted to watch a musical one night, and Charlie just blurted it out, and we are like, well, all right, let's give it a chance. Um and we watched it, and I was surprised that I did enjoy it. Um, for me, it's definitely just a one-timer. I don't see myself, you know, watching that over and over again. Um, I, I'm i in the camp of not really 
being interested or needing anything more than what we have in the animated film because to me Aladdin is an example of a perfect animated film it is so wonderfully executed and I love everything about it I don't need anything else from it it gives me everything I need and the trend of live action remakes of these animated films is still mystifying to me I, I just don't understand the the real craving that people seem to have like people are really clamoring for some of these like oh my gosh the discussions about little mermaid are ridiculous uh and this was no exception um so i found it interesting as i watched to see what they the choices they made and i will tell you this they spared no expense on set design and costume design for this film it is absolute pure eye candy and it's worth a watch at least once just for that because the artistry that goes into this film is astounding. Um, I will say the, the music was pretty good. Um, it had a lot of the pizzazz of the original soundtrack, which a lot of Disney musicals, once they go to the stage, they kind of lose some of the real oomph that the original soundtracks had. So I appreciated that this one maintained that. I was a little uh, disappointed at the overuse of um, auto-tuning throughout mm -hmm. the soundtrack, uh, which I guess can't be helped when you're asking somebody like Will Smith to actually sing. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I think... How dare out of, you, sir? Will Smith is a treasure. Right? I love him. I, I do. <laughs> I love him. But I, I don't choose to listen to him sing. Um, I like him as a funny guy. I mean, I'd give it a three out of five, I guess. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. So I was a lot later to the party when it comes to Aladdin. I just recently saw it. I know you both saw it fairly early on. Uh, you brought up two things that I was most concerned with, uh, and that was Will Smith as the genie and the music in this film, because I'm a huge fan of the Aladdin soundtrack and score. Mm -hmm. And uh, first of all, I think Will Smith did a really good job of making the character a little more his than Robin sure. Williams. Yeah. You know? And uh, he did, uh, there were obviously some gags that they had to redo to really step into the character to make it seem familiar to people. And they were gags that I think that if they weren't in the film, they would have been criticized for excluding. So the fact that they did it and they did it in such a way that felt like it was just Will Smith doing them, I think was great. I think they did a fantastic job with them. Uh, the music, uh, Jasmine's new song, I enjoyed it. It seemed to be kind of like shoved into that spot at the last minute. It didn't feel as organic uh, when it came up to me. Mm -hmm. But overall, I think I like the song. I think I'm okay with it. I will watch the film again after seeing it, especially I, I would love to see some of the special features and uh, some of the information on how they plan certain things because it did seem more like a Broadway musical overall than it did a film adaptation of the original animated film. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily what I got from Beauty and the Beast. Like with Beauty and the Beast, it felt like a film adaptation where they just happened to add a couple more songs. Yeah. This, because of all the dancing and because of like all of the set design, like you were talking about the costume design, it felt like a Broadway production that was just being broadcast on the screen for me. Mm -hmm. And I really, truly enjoyed that. 
the song that I was most worried about was A Whole New World. Huh. Uh, I think that song is so iconic, and I personally love that song so much that I, I was going to be very critical if they really screwed that up. But I think they executed that song in such a way that it didn't sound like they were singing karaoke, and they made <laughs> it their own version. Uh, if that makes any sense to you. Man, uh, I don't know. I got yeah. problems with that song, dude. Dude, the drum kit they brought in on that was terrible. I wasn't even paying attention. It's probably oh. because I was listening on headphones when I was watching it. Listen to the instrumentation of that, man. It's uh, Oh no. It Did was, I miss it, something? It was cringy, I thought, man. The the the, the, really? the no. vocal performance was fine. Well, that's what I'm primarily talking about. The fact about. that they brought in like a a drum beat to it, like like traditional like drum kit drums, like ugh. It was Oh no. It just I don't remember catapulted that. me right out. Yeah, Charlie and I looked at each other as soon as it started. We we're like, what is that? Oh, now I have to go just watch that. Okay, so yeah. I watched Aladdin uh technically on my phone <laughs> and I saw it with headphones on. I have the equalizer on my phone set so that the bass is fairly low so it doesn't mm. blow out my eardrums. Sure. So I may have completely missed that part of it. Yeah, yeah. Listen to a regular mix of it and and tell me what you think. It, it, other people might not have a problem with it, but to me it jumped out like a sore thumb. Oh, man. I, <laughs> I totally missed it. I got to go check it out. <sighs> man, now I'm upset. Okay, so <laughs> Sorry, look, dude. That aside... That aside, I think the vocal performance, I liked it a lot. I think they did a good job of making it kind of their own version without it sounding completely like karaoke. Because anytime I try to sing that song, it sounds very karaoke. Because I try to hit the same cadence and the same notes and everything. And I think that's what everybody tries to do because it's so iconic. But this one had a few fluctuations in how they sang it and a different cadence to some of the lines that... You know, I wouldn't have made the choices for, but I think they fit fairly well with the people that were singing it, especially for the range that they had when trying mm-hmm. to sing it. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I think they did a pretty good job with that. Um, so let's move on. July. This obviously was one of the most controversial films because there was a lot of people calling it live action when in real life it's an animated movie. Yep. But we're co- we're talking about it in the live action films because it was such a big part of the quote unquote live action films for 2019. That, of course, is The Lion King. Mel, The Lion King. First of all, what did you think about it? And what did you think about people calling it live action for so long? I'm probably the worst movie person to speak to about kind of this, all this stuff because I didn't mind it. <laughs> I mean, I I go in, and if I'm entertained, I'm entertained. I'm, but I totally get what you guys are saying. It, again, it didn't bother me. However, for this film, I, cause yeah, I just recently saw it too, so I didn't get to see it in theater. Um, I got to see it on my phone. I caught myself able to just listen to it, and not really having to watch it compared to Aladdin. Aladdin, mm. I was more glued. And there was some parts in. The Lion King, that was kind of like, well, that kind of fell flat. And, you know, little things. But other than that, oh, once I heard um, James Earl Jones, I'm like, okay, (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. This is good. (laughs) Um, That was pretty exciting. You know, I 
overall, not too bad. I was a little surprised that uh, Nala, or I would say little Nala, took uh, the spotlight when um, Simba's supposed to be excited to be a king. Yeah. And it's like, oh, just, just let her sing it. It's all good. Yeah, she kind of stole it. Gavin, what about you? Oh, I haven't seen this film. Oh, you haven't? No. Okay. I. It, we we all know that I consider The Lion King from 1994 to be the masterpiece of the Renaissance. It is one of the most perfect films they've ever made. Um, I I can't get interested in seeing this movie. I just... It, it Not only do I not feel like it and this is going to sound so negative, but it doesn't, <laughs> I don't need it. And it really does not look good to me. Like it looks bad. Like the trailers I saw, like if, if it was just its own movie, like had nothing to do with Lion King, it didn't, it didn't look good. So uh, I'm willing to be open-minded about it. And at some point I may get around to seeing it, but I've got no interest to, to see it. I'm going to have your response a little bit further down, and you'll hear why. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, right on. Uh, so The Lion King uh, was interesting to watch. You you mentioned it earlier that you've been very critical about you know these live-action remakes, and you still don't understand why people are clamoring to have them. And this kind of felt like that for me. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I The Lion King is not my favorite Renaissance movie. Um, I have other films that I classify as favorites for different reasons. But this one, if somebody's watching this film for the first time, and there's a lot of children that may watch this version before they even watch the animated version, mm-hmm. sure, they are going to be perfectly okay, and they are going to love this film. The fact that the little lions are there and they're cuddly and, you know, they they talk to each other and everything, they're going to absolutely love it. They will rewatch it. There was some performances that I just didn't think fit. For instance, Seth Rogen's performance, I, I could have done without. And I like <laughs> Seth Rogen. I think he does great <laughs> in the types of movies that he does. But in this one... Uh, it, it threw me out and it mm-hmm. could have been because of the fact that I'm so familiar with the music from the Lion King that when they were trying to pull off some of the music from the original film that it just was like scratching a chalkboard for me. I just like yeah. I, I could not take it and it could have been on purpose. It could have been a creative choice that they made to show how you know clunky the character of Pumbaa is. No disrespect to Seth Rogen. I just didn't like the character uh, as it came across. Uh, There were a couple of changes in the film as far as how they told the story that ultimately I think I was okay with because it was a different type of version of The Lion King. Uh, Slightly different interpretation as if it was on Broadway maybe. But I primarily watched this film not because it was The Lion King but because I was curious as to see how this world and these animals were going to be created and animated Mm -hmm. and let me tell you i was like 70 to 75 percent cool with it the other 25 (laughs) percent i thought that animal needs to weigh more it's bouncing Uh, way too much yeah there's wait 
Why does that look so unnatural? And mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time in my head deconstructing why some of the movements just looked unnatural and they didn't yeah. look like an actual lion. Um, again, I think it's part of the storytelling and they had to move them in certain ways to tell that story. But when you're watching a Disney nature film, um, you know, you see these animals move in a certain way. There's narration. I think that only the primary characters in The Lion King tended to speak and all the other ones, unless there was a spontaneous song number that they were a part of, didn't say anything or nobody else seemed to talk, was weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I saw it and <laughs> and this is possibly my my version of Aladdin. Like, I don't think I'll ever need to see this version again. Like, if I want to see The Lion King, I'll probably see the original animated version. Yeah. So. Well, to be fair, uh, to set the record straight, uh, this is an animated movie. Um, it is fully animated. There's no live action. Uh, it's a weird choice for them to even ever begin to describe it as live action. I think they're, it's more of a brag about, look how realistic this is than anything. Yeah. Uh, but I consider a lot of films animated that most people wouldn't. For example, we mentioned Avatar. Avatar is... 75% animated. It's an animated film to me, you know, like there's some live action characters in it, but most of it's animated. Yeah. You know, we talk about the Avengers. There's a ton of animated characters in the Avengers. Every time Bruce Banner becomes the Hulk, he's an animated character. Every time Tony gets into the suit, he's whoa, whoa. 90% Watch of the time, <laughs> it's animated. Watch your words. If he's standing still, it's a costume, but if he's doing anything in the air, it's animated, bro. So okay. Wait, there's so... You mean there's no real suit? There's lots of animation <laughs> in all of these movies. You know, we, we want to call it FX or special effects, you know, and things like that. But we're talking about computer animation. That's what it is. Yeah. You know, Jurassic World, largely animated. So yeah. this film is 100% animated. It's an animated film. And yeah. that's where I put my period. Yeah, and and I think they were pretty clear about that once the film was released that they didn't continue touting it as like the live action Lion King. And to be fair, I don't even think Disney ever explicitly said that. I think it was more of a like the bloggers and, you know, reporters calling it the live action Lion King. I think Disney's term for it was photorealistic you know, version of the Lion King. Like they were using some kind of like photorealism spin to it. Mm-hmm. And in in many cases, yes, it's absolutely gorgeous. Like the water scenes, some of the like the the field shots where they have some of the animals in the background are like it blew me away. But they don't continue that trend throughout the entire film. Like there's some movements in the camera that feel unnatural because like like you don't see a lot of blur where I feel there should be blur and like mm. there's these awkward movements that the animals make that just like it just doesn't look right so yes it's completely animated and and I think like I said to be fair I don't think Disney ever really called it the live action Lion King I think they themselves uh, were very explicit about calling it a photorealistic interpretation mm. of the Lion King yeah. so Uh, Okay, so let's move on to October's release of Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. I have not seen this film. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think, Mel, you're the only one that's actually seen it. Nope. No. This is where I'm Gavin. 
with Lion King. Whoa. (laughs) Okay, please, please elaborate. So I did have a ticket. Gosh, I'd hate to say it, but I think this was a blessing in disguise that I couldn't go. So I ended up getting a refund, which is great. Um, I'm a little hesitant to see this film because it took me a while to get used to the first film. Mm. And you guys know how much I love Maleficent. And it stinks that I kind of did read some reviews and I'm hearing mixed uh, reactions about she wasn't as mean. And if I loved the first film, then I would love this one. And I didn't love the first film. (laughs) If that's telling me anything, I didn't want her to be mean. Now, will I see it when it comes on Disney Plus? Sure. Absolutely. Um, I just don't want to pay for a ticket and walk out of the theater really unhappy. Sure. That she did not turn into a dragon. I don't need that part too. <laughs> You'll just watch well, that flyover of Walt Disney World. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good segue to the next three, which are all Disney Plus offerings as well. So that's interesting. Well, it. I think we've heard the Disney Company and maybe even Bob Iger talked about this in a in an interview that he did that. Uh, the films that are released in theaters, as long as they don't have prior commitments to go on any specific services like Netflix, Hulu, uh, Stars, etc., you we can expect to see them on Disney Plus within six to eight months of the initial release. So we may see uh, Mistress of Evil, Mal- Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, as early as next April or May on Disney Plus. So I'd be curious to see what your thoughts are. If you get a chance to watch it, because it's not going to cost you a ticket anymore. Now it's just time. Right. So <laughs> it I don't know if you're going to let it play in the background and Lion King it or if it's going to somehow capture you and be more on the Aladdin side for you. But considering your thoughts from the first one, you know, it's hard to shake that feeling. It's like fool me mm-hmm. once, you know, sh- shame on me, you know, fool me twice. Shame on me again, because I shouldn't have believed you the second time after I you know, you gave me that horrible product the first time. So yeah. uh, that's sometimes how I tend to look at it. But I mean, I, I'm just a sucker for bad movies sometimes. And the, <laughs> the, the worse they are, the more I tend to want to watch them. <laughs> so uh, we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of films that I think were great. And I talked to some of my friends and like, you are crazy. That was a horrible <laughs> film. We all have our guilty pleasures. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, Okay, so like Evan said, the next set of films are all from Disney+. And this was interesting because it was one of the launch films, obviously, when the service launched. I didn't really care either way about the release of this one, and that was Lady and the Tramp. How did you each feel about the release of the live-action, or animated, Lady and the Tramp? That was my first movie, and I loved it. I loved it so much because I'm I'm a huge dog person. So to be able to see these cuties do their thing and but see a little bit more character uh, development with Jim and um, Jim and Darlene. And um, that's the couple. We don't really see them in the classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get to see more of, you know, them and Sarah and just overall, the whole movie, it's it's adorable. Um, if you're not a dog person, maybe you want to 
pass. But I mean, like I said, I, I'm a sucker for them, and I thought it was just adorable. Kevin, have you seen this one yet? No, I like cartoon dogs. <laughs> uh, so I'm. I mean, I I don't think it matters to me whether they're animated or not. Um, I'm kind of indifferent uh, about dogs. I I like them just okay. I do like them better than cats. Um, but uh, so I started watching Lady and the Tramp, and I've gotten. Uh, let's see, where's my resume button on this one? <laughs> <laughs> uh it is uh oh it's i would say 85 percent of the way and i started watching it and it it hasn't been a film that i've thought oh i need to go finish that movie you know there's some things that i start watching that i i get angry almost that i can't keep watching it like i started watching the mandalorian and there was times where i had to cut away from it for something and i was just upset <laughs> no. that i couldn't finish no interruptions for the Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, it's that's right? kind of how I feel about it. <laughs> and Lady and the Tramp, no joke. I've sat down to watch it four different times, and I've seen it in four pieces, and still haven't finished it. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I've I've liked it. Okay, I'm not like, oh my god, you have to go watch this film. I think there's a lot of cute elements to it, but I think it's because there's the association of the original Lady and the Tramp, that I, which I really, really enjoyed before. Um, yeah, I, I like it okay. I'm not going to knock it. I think it's a pretty well-made film. I do like the additional character development, but um, yeah, one of these days I'll just have to finish watching it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not for everybody, so it's, yeah, it's all yeah. good. Uh, okay, so keeping on Disney Plus, we get to Noelle. Noelle Aww. is the story <laughs> of the children of Santa Claus and their journey of who who is going to become the next Santa Claus. Uh, not to be confused with Tim Allen's Santa Claus. <laughs> uh, this is a totally different. <laughs> also story. on Disney Plus. Also on Disney Plus. All three of them are. You should totally watch that with your family this oh, holiday season. So good. Uh, we have we've actually seen the first two already, and we've been kind of like chipping away at them. So I, I'm glad we did watch Noel. I enjoyed it way more than I thought I was going to. <laughs> wow, cool! Uh, but I will say I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that I'm a huge sucker for Anna Kendrick. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm the other way. I, I I'd watch it for Bill Hader. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I like yeah. Bill Hader. I think he's funny. But I think Anna Kendrick just has this really snappy, funny way of executing a lot of the lines that she's given that she's just super funny to me. And, you know, I think she executes a lot of the, the roles that she's in really well. So I think that's primarily the reason why I enjoyed Noel so much. Got it. And see, I'm in the middle. I like both. There you go. <laughs> nice. Good reason. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, it's it's one of those definitely made for TV movies. I would have been upset if I went to watch this at a movie theater. But Mm. as far as like uh, uh, if if this is going to be the new version of a decom, because now they're going to be exclusively on Disney Plus for the most part, uh, I think it was perfect for that. You know, I think it fits that DCOM model where Disney Channel original movie, in case you're wondering what DCOM stands for. (laughs) uh, I think it fits that model really well. I think it has that feel good, like 
part of, you know, those Hallmark movies or Disney Channel movies that you like to watch and you just feel good while you're wrapped up in a blanket in front of a fire drinking hot cocoa with your family or something. And it just it hit on all those cylinders for me. So, um, yeah, go Anna Kendrick. (laughs) (laughs) And what's so funny is I don't do well with Hallmark movies. I just don't. I zone out. So this was kind of kind of like it but it's different yeah it has a good twist to it yeah nice yeah i agree so. i agree um okay one day at disney so Ooh. one day at disney i think was one of the most interesting releases that disney plus has done so far there is a companion book to the one day at disney series that is available for purchase if you would like to purchase it, we can make a link available in the blog post for the episode. Just go to podcasters.com slash 286. Uh, obviously, you will be using our Amazon affiliate link, and we will get a small commission from Amazon as a thank you from them because you went through our link if you decide to purchase through there. But it is available at other retailers like Costco, for instance, which is where I saw the book and I started leafing through it. Um, Gavin, your thoughts on One Day at Disney. Can't wait to watch it. Haven't seen it yet? No, it's killing me. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. I really, 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 really want to watch it, and I will watch it. I just haven't gotten to it yet. Um, it was so hyped at the expo, and they did a really good job uh, promoting it, and it's such an amazing concept. It actually has helped me come up with some ideas for an episode which i really want us to do which is an armchair imagineering episode of disney plus because it has generated some ideas for programming for me uh but it's such a cool idea because they're kind of like you know the old british empire where the sun really never sets on the disney empire Mm because they have you know parks around the world and it's always shining somewhere in disney and I, i i just love the idea of this kind of global look at disney across one day Uh, i think it's really neat so i can't wait to see it mel what about you have you had a chance to watch it yeah i have i really like it i think it's a great companion show to um the imagineering story Mm -hmm. okay that's how i'll describe it so that um if anyone's interested you know check it out unfortunately i think it's only one episode right now i think it's just one film i think it's just one yeah you know i want the book I definitely want the book. So if Imagineering, if Imagineering wants to drop a Imagineering story book, oh, I take be my money. all over that. Oh, God. that take is, my hashtag money. Hashtag <laughs> take my money. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I would love an Imagineering oh, story man. paperback or hardcover book. Disney, make it happen. You heard it here mm-hmm. first on yes. Podcasters. Let's get that going. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so the companion book, I have not seen One Day at Disney. I have not had a chance to sit down and actually watch it. But leafing through the companion book, if it's similar and it's a similar structure, my only concern is that we're only going to get tiny snippets instead of uh, more stories of, you know, what their job entails and how they do it, how they got there, which is kind of what I wanted One Day at Disney to be. So Mm. having not watched it... That's my perception just from leafing through the book. Mel, is that fairly accurate or do we get more of an actual story for each person that they highlight? Um, No, you're actually accurate. It is smaller episodes that lead you to want more. So you're not really getting like the full spectrum mm. um, 
from the Imagineering story. Gotcha. I mean, like I said, you could go back and forth, and it's still really good content. Okay. Well, um, I'm hoping that sometime this weekend I'll finally have an opportunity to watch that one. And maybe mm-hmm. we can talk about it briefly in next week's episode, and we'll we'll all kind of give our thoughts um, uh, once we have a chance to, to take a look at that. So... Um, okay, so we finally get to the film that technically hasn't even released, but obviously there's a lot of fanfare for this film. There's a lot of criticism already for this film, uh, but it is a major release for Disney, obviously, because it is the end of a saga. It's the it's basically the equivalent of what Endgame was for the 10 years of the MCU, except mm-hmm. this has been going on since early 70s. Um, and that of course, yeah. Oh, late seventies. That's right. Uh, and that of course is star Wars, the rise of Skywalker. Gavin, you being the biggest star Wars fan in the group, what does this release mean to you? And what do you expect considering what the last film did for the franchise? Yeah. So this film of the list of films under the Disney umbrella that came out or are coming out in 2019, by far the number one thing I've been anticipating all year um, and for the last couple years. Uh, so this is, like you said, the conclusion to the Skywalker saga, 42 years in the making. And I'm quite quite excited about it i i think i've i've mentioned before that i'm not a big trailer hunter i don't really watch a lot of trailers you know you have to kind of go seek them if you don't have like regular television programming with commercials where they pop up all the time um so i don't really seek out trailers it's not really something that interests me so i hadn't seen a trailer for this until um about a week and a half ago when i saw frozen 2 I saw the final big trailer for Star Wars and that was the first time I'd seen it and it got me so pumped. I was on the edge of my seat for that trailer and I was uh, filled with anticipation for this forthcoming film. I think, you know, you mentioned the last film and the reactions to it and kind of the questions and controversy about it. Um, It raises a lot of weird story um, problems and obstacles and I'm going to be fascinated to see how they approach that or if they just gloss over that and say okay that was a miss we're going to just wrap things up neatly here instead Uh, it'll be interesting I I just really want to see how the main storyline plays out because most of the questions were kind of side stories anyway Um, I want to see how this main story plays out what the finale is going to be and then be able to kind of put Star Wars in a box. And if they want to give us some sort of ancillary trilogy later on, which they've talked about that has nothing to do with these characters, awesome. But let's wrap this up and never touch this again because it is its own thing. Um, And I'm excited to see how they wrap that up. Yeah. I think J.J. Abrams went on record uh, this last week and talked about how he doesn't plan to retroactively go back and fix things that Ryan Johnson did in the last one right. or to retcon yeah. the series, as as mm-hmm. most people call it. So, yeah, I think, like you said, they're going to leave it as it is, and it's just going to be what it is, and a new series yeah. will start, and they'll kind of tell another story. Um, I had to ask you, though, since you finally watched it, 
what did you think of the double lightsaber and the execution of turning it into a staff? Um, I, I'm reserving judgment until I see it in the film. It, it's, it's interesting. I, I think that this trilogy has really been kind of obsessed with the modified lightsaber in a, a little bit, you know, with, um, you know, Kylo's weird saber with kind of the two exhaust sabers coming yeah. off the sides, you know, and people theorizing what the heck is going on there. Um, I don't know, man, like the double life lightsaber, like to me, that's Darth Maul's and yeah. he just owned it in such an incredible way. Um, if they pull it off well, I'm all for it. Um, yeah, it, it got me excited because, you know, Star Wars to me is less about real deep storytelling, you know, intricate plot work and character development. It's much more about iconography and, you know, I just want to see Jedis with lightsabers. I want to see bumbling stormtroopers. I want to see cool Star Wars spacecraft in, in space battles. And I want to see a menacing villain. That, that's 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 all Star Wars is, you know. I'm yeah. I'm a simple purist. I don't I don't demand a whole lot. I just those are the things I want to see. And when I hear that Tie Fighter engine, or I hear a, a lightsaber get ignited, that excites me. You know, I just I just get a tingle when I when I see and hear that kind of stuff. And that's that's what I'm looking forward to. And I know that Abrams um, delivers exciting films and. I'm sure this will be, you know, no exception to that. So I'll be there opening weekend. I'm not going opening night because opening night, we actually have tickets to another film that's opening on the exact same day. And I bet you can't guess what it is. Ugly Dolls 3. No. <laughs> We're actually okay, seeing. Okay, I'm going to go on a limb and say Cats. That is correct. <laughs> wow. We're seeing hey, the film version price? of the musical Cats, and we will be the only people in that theater because everybody else will be next door at Star Wars. No, yeah, I was kind of right with Ugly, Go- uh, Ugly Dolls 3. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, wow. we'll be seeing uh, Star Wars, I think, the next day. So. Interesting. Mel, what about you? How Are you looking forward to this Star Wars film? I am. I haven't seen anything. Not that I've been just avoiding. I just haven't seen anything. Even when I went to go see Frozen, we were there a little late, like into the previews. So I missed that part. Um, I have my tickets for the 19th at uh, 7. Yeah, we we just want to avoid as much as possible because, you know, people on the oh, Internet, yeah. please don't spoil. <laughs> <laughs> just don't. Just don't. There's my PSA for today. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just excited just to see everything wrap up. It kind of feels weird to be able to say that you, we've seen the prequels and now we're seeing the sequels. We didn't, I mean, some of us weren't born when, you know, it came out 77. So it's, <laughs> it's like, man, just, it'd be awesome to just be able to go through all that. Um, if you did. That is amazing. Um, But to be able to see it now, I mean, yeah, I have a lot of questions. I mean, they're just, again, I'm not a big, I I can't dissect it as well as you guys. I just, if it it gives me my money's worth, yay. (laughs) That's how I go in. Ultimately, I'm the same. You know, like I, I can be critical. I can, you know, pick apart something, but that's, that's, that's the proper way to approach it. If, if it entertained you. Uh, look, 
I've spent this whole week rewatching the High School Musical trilogy and loving every second of it. <laughs> are they good films? No, they decidedly are not good films, but I'm <laughs> loving it, and that's what matters. Well, look, I'm not that I'm going to try to one up you with this one, but uh, when I try to watch something that's just upbeat and snappy and trying to just get you in a good mood, I put on Teen Beach Movie. <laughs> I haven't seen that one yet, but I want to. So it's very high school musical, but on the beach. I know. It's very know. Saved by the Bell Hawaiian style. I love it. Oh, okay. So, uh, it's not that at all, by the way. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, we all have our guilty pleasures. And, yes, I've watched High School Musical before as well. And right now when I'm not watching something on Disney Plus because my current iPad does not support it. Wow, wow. I have to watch something on Netflix, and I've been rewatching Victorious. So, <laughs> nice. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> okay, so I mean that wraps up the films that were released in 2019 that played a really major part in Disney hitting that 10 billion dollar milestone that we talked about earlier. So now we want to hear from you. We want you to tell us what your favorite film was and, you know, sound off on some of the thoughts that we had on, you know, The Lion King either being animated or live action, how we felt about Aladdin, the addition of the new songs, stuff like that. We'd love to hear your thoughts on it. And especially like Maleficent, if you have some thoughts on Maleficent, since none of us have (laughs) seen it yet, we'd love to hear your thoughts, especially if you saw the first one and how they both compare. You can either send us a message uh, on any of our social networks just search for Podcateers on Instagram, Facebook, or on Twitter. You can also send us a, an email. Just send it to comments at podcateers.com. That email address is also the one that you can send us an audio clip that we can play in a future episode as well. So um, that's it. I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Any nice. final thoughts? Big year for Disney. That's for sure. Definitely. Definitely. All right, so that is going to wrap up this episode. Thank you all for listening. And so until next time, keep dreaming, keep moving forward, and always remember to pass on the magic. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Major look. Major look.